Welcome to the Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. In this podcast, we hope to demystify Parkinson's disease, looking at everything from the basics to the cutting edge. Whether you are a healthcare professional, sufferer, carer, or family member looking to learn more, leading experts, Professor Baz Bloom and Professor Werner Poover will help uncomplicate the subject. Orwin presents Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to Reflections on Parkinson's Disease. I'm here with Bas Blom from Radboud, the, the University Hospital in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, my close friend and colleague and partner on this effort. I'm Werner Pöwe of Innsbruck Medical University. Um, today, uh, we are with the support of Bial, which we gratefully acknowledge, going to address an important problem uh, in relation to motor fluctuations in Parkinson's disease, and that is that they are frequently missed or their diagnosis is delayed. So they're not as easy to recognize as one might think. That's going to be our topic today. And as it doesn't seem awfully difficult from what we discussed in the last podcast uh, to um, recognize them. Talking about the last uh, podcast, I had great feedbacks, as I think you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's been really well received. It's uh, I love the concept. It's uh, yeah, yeah. What I what I we're talking about missed uh, fluctuations. What we have missed in the past is football um, and what we have missed in Holland was our proud country our soccer team called the Orange Machine being present at the European Championships can I just ask you not to tease you but will Austria be present we will be but will you be well I know you're going to, to you were <laughs> trying to tease me because Austria um, not not always makes the finals and doesn't always qualify for these events but it did so ah. Austria will be there so watch out watch out for us um, we may cause you trouble yeah and and can I ask you one very personal question will you route for Austria or for Germany given your background of course. well that is a truly difficult question um, if it comes to a confrontation of the two I have to confess um, my German upbringing comes through full 100%. No, no way around it. But it's if it's, you know, Austria versus the Netherlands, I know where my heart beats. Okay. Despite of our friendship, Buzz. I know. Well, mm -hmm. well, we'll see. In one of the future podcasts, we can maybe look back and, uh, and discuss it further. Yeah. So why, why is it so difficult to recognize motor fluctuations? It seems a straightforward thing. Being off is striking and being on can be very conspicuous if that is kinesis. Why should there be a problem in recognizing motor or on-off fluctuations? Well, I think there's a whole host of reasons. One is um, obviously when they are very pronounced, it is impossible to miss, but they come on insidiously. So it begins with a mild wearing off, an end of dose phenomenon, meaning that people start to feel that the time is ripe to take their next dose, whereas initially three times levodopa per day will be sufficient or an agonist one times daily. Um, and the second is that there are many different types of response fluctuations and people with Parkinson's, their families, or perhaps even physicians, don't always recognize the full spectrum of all these response fluctuations. 
clearly when a tremor reappears, when people start to freeze or the balance becomes progressively disturbed, it's easy to say, well, the medication isn't working well. When people are violently dyskinetic, it's easy. But when people become more anxious um, or have more pain, or for example, wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning with a twisted foot, which is called an early morning dystonia, that is not immediately recognized as a response fluctuation. True. And um, there's so many reasons, of course, for the Parkinsonian condition to be more severe at certain times than at other times. And no one day is exactly like, like the other. There may be good and bad days and patients may find it very, very difficult to answer to a question about the relationship of fluctuations in their condition to their drug intake. Um, when we use questionnaires, like we sometimes do wearing off questionnaires, we, we ask about uh, symptoms becoming worse or appearing um, before a scheduled dose and improving within, let's say, an hour after a dose. But that's not always apparent to patients. They don't, they don't see it as such. So I, I believe it's also a difficulty in many clinical routine instances of investing the amount of time needed to explain to patients what we are really asking about and to go through their day with them to, to detect the dependency of, of, of swings in, in motor status uh, from the um, interdosing intervals. Um, how do you solve this in your in your practice? Um, are you using questionnaires or what other tricks do you play to dissect yeah. out fluctuations in someone who's not fully aware of them themselves themselves? Well, first of all, I think, as you pointed out, patient education is really important. And if you don't have the time yourself, a Parkinson nurse can be their way their, their way to worth in gold in taking time to explain what response fluctuations are. Not rarely, I show videos of what it could look like uh, to patients. Uh, so they become better aware and better awareness leads to better recognition. Definitely diaries can help. Although I have been frustrated by the quality of the responses in these diaries. So people, for example, mark a dyskinetic state with red, a good on state with green, and a poor off state with yellow. And then they come to your clinic and you explain it again. And they say, oh no, no, the red needs to be yellow and or the green needs to be orange. And, and for example, sometimes this same may sound silly, but patients mistake the tremor for dyskinesias. Hmm. So if you don't carefully explain, they say, oh, I've got these excessive movements and you think they're dyskinetic. So you try to change the dose accordingly. But in fact, they're talking about tremor. So showing what the phenomenon looks like Sometimes even showing it yourself helps to educate both the patient and the spouse. I find it difficult oftentimes um, to recognize motor fluctuation, uh, response fluctuations as the underlying mechanism when patients primarily complain of episodic non-motor phenomena. And I've seen investigations of all sorts being done in someone who, like a, recently a patient of mine who complained of um, nocturnal awakenings, usually around mm -hmm. half an hour after midnight, 
Um, she would fall asleep easily going to bed, but then would wake up that early and would be sweating, drenching sweats, feeling anxious, um, almost panicking. And it, I, I must confess, I was thinking of, of, of different underlying mechanisms, metabolic disorders. And before the uh, second time that we met and she talked about this, I suggested to her to maybe try an additional dose of levodopa after waking up and she came back and said, yeah, that's, that's the trick. It went away after half an hour. So this was a non-motor uh, off phenomenon that occurred about six hours after the last dose she had taken. And I'm sure you've seen multiple similar um, episodes, haven't you? Absolutely. So these non-motor fluctuations are difficult to detect, uh, particularly because of the wide variability in the symptoms, pain, anxiety, even depression, people be being mm -hmm. outrightly depressed in an off state and feeling optimistic and well in an on state. What I also find helpful is um, making a home video to just show the phenomenon. We are professors of movement disorders. I'd like to see the phenomenon. So if I'm in doubt, and most people now have smartphones so they can record their episodes that are bothering them at home. Um, some of these uh, fluctuations can have a very complex relationship with the intake of the medication, the biphasic dyskinesias, which are not occurring at the peak of the dose, but rather at the onset of the efficacy and at the offset of the efficacy. And then diaries can be helpful to get a better feeling for the timing between the moment of intake and the occurrence of the uh, phenomena that the patients are experiencing. Yeah. Sometimes, Baz, I, I was intrigued or puzzled by this interplay that I think may also happen where uh, non-motor symptoms like pain have, well, one, one might say a, a, dual, a dual pathology. Someone who might have, as I have seen several times, a chronic low back pain syndrome mm -hmm. with uh, discopathy and there may have even been talk about should one or should one not perform lumbar disc surgery, irradiating pain following like the L5 route uh, with, with, with an x-ray finding. Uh, but then in optimizing, in optimizing um, levodopa delivery at using adjunct therapies, using things like COMT inhibitors, MAOB inhibitors, etc. Uh, I've seen patients improve and because they had, they had uh, off-period associated worsenings of their pain sensation. And the background pain wasn't that bad, but it was these exacerbations that occurred in yeah. the off that made them seek help. Yeah, no, very recognizable. And and you obviously make another point, which makes Parkinson's such a difficult condition. Parkinson's doesn't protect you from developing other conditions. And pain is in various ways related to Parkinson's itself. We also talked about the painful early morning dystonias, but there can be pain for other reasons as well, um, which may make it very difficult uh, to disentangle. I'm also curious, uh, Werner, we're now living in an era of uh, technology and some Companies in particular are now driving the use of sensors, perhaps a smartwatch or other technologies to detect these response fluctuations. Yeah. Are you positive towards those? Are you finding them helpful in your practice? I, I'm not, you know, they're not really part of my practice, but I can see them becoming that in, yeah. in, around the globe, really, because 
we've been talking about the difficulty of recognizing motor fluctuations on the side of the patient, maybe a busy physician not having enough time to explain and spend the time to explore. And a digital um, sensor might quite clearly show uh, periodic surges of tremor, say, uh, that would, in, in, would be in close correlation to interdose periods towards the end of an interdose interval, while the patient may, may be unable to clearly relate that. So I, I do believe that that will play a role in future. Yeah, no, that's course, interesting. So yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just say um, education, because you mentioned that before. I think we, we there's still a need. We sometimes as specialists think this is an easy topic. Everybody knows about it, but I think that is not true for the general physician or even the general neurologist. And there, there's more education on the topic needed. Yeah. No, I was going to say that hopefully the, the audience finds this informative and entertaining, but it's even entertaining to me and to hear your perspective because the it's funny to see how your perspective on technology is identical to mine. I think it is promising. I think you and I will witness a world where these sensors will play a role, but it is just for me the same. It doesn't affect my practice today and nothing beats a careful interview, perhaps supplemented with these questionnaires that we talked about or diaries, perhaps supplemented with videos. And of course, the, the listeners today might wonder, well, why would I want to know to begin with? Well, uh, Vern and I both want to emphasize to you that the reason we're so interested and the reason we spend so much time in our clinics in detecting these response fluctuations is that these are treatable. So Parkinson's is a complex condition, but it is also a treatable condition. I find it gratifying to see the improvements that you can achieve with a careful workup and adjusting the medication accordingly. There are a number of ways of making the pulsatile dopaminergic stimulation more continuous, often leading to market improvements in quality of life and functioning. So the detection is important. And if you are, for example, a general practitioner, or if you are a neurologist with maybe more interest in multiple sclerosis, and if you feel uncomfortable, then it is still important for you to detect these problems and perhaps then ask a colleague for advice on treatment. But I think for all of us, if you see people with Parkinson's, spending time on detecting these issues is important. Well phrased, Bas. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I want to thank Bial again for their um, kind sponsorship and making this uh, didactic session possible. Um, this is not the last in the series, uh, Reflections on Parkinson's Disease. Vern and I have a lot more to reflect on. So we hope to see or hear you uh, very soon again. Uh, there's a lot more to come. Um, we continue to be interested in your feedback. Uh, you can leave it here um, in this podcast, a comment. You can also see us on social media. Orwen is producing these episodes and you can direct them, contact them directly or leave a message on social media. We're happy to learn from your feedback, improve our services. And uh, definitely we hope to see you very soon again. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget to stay up to date with all the latest discussions and help spread awareness. Follow and subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform and oroin.com.